Hey everyone, welcome back to Navigating Netflix Originals. As always, I'm Madison, and as always, I'm joined by Jamie. Hello. And welcome back to another episode of our podcast. Today, we will actually be discussing a full series, although the episodes were very short, <laughs> called The Midnight Gospel. Um, and it's an eight-episode series that's about 25 to 30 minutes per episode. I think there was one that was 36. But pretty quick watch. <clears throat> um, and the basic premise is that it's a podcast where the audio has been animated set to some of the most bizarre animations I've ever seen with like a little bit of additional audio added in um, to kind of help along the animation storylines. Yeah. But mostly it's like very philosophical discussions that were originally recorded as podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is um, all podcast by a person called um, Duncan Trussell. So if you go to DuncanTrussell.com, you can hear all of them. All, all of it's podcast. Yeah, there's only, and I'm assuming that probably what we hear in these episodes on Netflix are just snippets or you know portions of the conversation. That it's not the full you know mm -hmm. podcast episode. Um, so if what they say intrigues you, you know, definitely go and check out his full podcast episodes. Definitely, but um, but yeah. So in this actual series, then it's um, we're following someone called Clancy Gilroy. <laughs> well, I guess is supposedly human, though doesn't quite look human. He's definitely a little more purple than most people are. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wears, like, um, essentially a skirt and a wizard hat. Um, but, or a yeah. loincloth and a wizard hat, maybe. Essentially, yeah. And he's a, he's a space caster doing a video, uh, so video podcaster in space. And so we follow him each episode as he goes into simulated Earths. Um, that have various issues or, you know, things have happened. And uh, he interviews one person in each one. Yes. And it, it becomes, like, increasingly obvious throughout the series that Clancy should probably not have access to this simulator <laughs> and that he probably came about it illegally and yeah. that he definitely does not know how to take care of it or maintain it. And, like, ultimately that kind of leads to, like, catastrophic meltdowns of the simulator <laughs> towards the end of the series. But, like, at the same time, we're still having, like, it parallel with him going into these simulations and having these, like, very in-depth conversations. And then he comes back out into the real world and it's kind of just falling apart around him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is probably a metaphor for something, but... I mean, probably, okay, so that is... The animations are yeah. the strangest thing I think I may have ever watched. And I've watched all of Rick and Morty and all of Salad Fingers. <laughs> and this is so weird. Yes. But like at the same time, if you pay attention to the animation, it is sort of going with the flow of the conversation. It does seem to be adding to what they're saying in some way. Yeah. Um, to the point that sometimes I found myself paying more attention to the animations and what was happening with them, and I was like not listening to what they were saying anymore, and I'd have to like go back and re-listen through things because I was so caught up in watching the animation. Absolutely, there are definitely times where I felt myself like getting too involved in watching, 
And I was like, I almost need to close my eyes because I'm losing like important information that's being spoken here. <laughs> right. Like maybe this was better as a podcast because watching the animations was just like so interesting, but like distracting at the same time. <laughs> that's true. I feel like I would almost recommend that someone like, I guess if you if you're a follower of Duncan Trussell, you've probably heard them. And so then seeing this is just kind of it is probably really beneficial because then you already have the foreknowledge of what the people had talked about. And right. then you're getting the sort of this visuals that are kind of, kind of interesting. Um, but I was almost tempted to like watch it a second time, but kind of just have it on in the background, like I would a regular podcast right. and, and just listen. Um, but then I ran out of time, but <laughs> so it goes. Yeah. I, I kind of want to rewatch it and do like the opposite. I want to watch mm. it, the animations much more closely because I think that there's, there's a lot of really subtle things in them yeah. that like connect back to what they're talking about. And I bet I missed a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, all right. So let's, let's try to, to tackle this sure. maybe one episode at a time. Okay. <laughs> and, there are a lot of overlapping themes, um, but I feel like the first episode, it's just it's just a good place to start. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. So, All right. yeah. All the taste of the taste of the king, and I did not understand any of the episode titles and how they related. But no, we very very briefly like as they're escaping, they run they slam into a king but i don't know what the point of that was but right did they lick him who knows <laughs> maybe <laughs> but um so this uh yeah in this simulated universe or earth um he is transported down to a person that he only ever refers to as glasses man who <laughs> en ends up being the um uh president i guess of the United Earth. States, Earth, uh, during a zombie apocalypse. Um, and <laughs> this person, so, you know, every person obviously is like a real person that he had podcasted with. So this is actually uh, a guy called uh, Dr. Drew Pinsky, D, or known nationally as Dr. Drew. Have you ever heard no. of Dr. Drew? don't think so. Okay. So I actually knew of Dr. Drew, though I like shamefully didn't recognize his voice at first um i knew him from the radio he used to be one half of a duo that did a, um, a radio show kind of late night radio show called love line okay and so i remember like I any... heard of love line. yeah so when i would drive home from work real late when i was in college is when i would listen to them you know chatting and so love line was about like relationship advice love advice sex advice kind of stuff like this yeah um so he's a doctor of internal medicine and a spe specialist in addiction which makes sense given the theme of this episode right um and uh and yeah so dr drew and they yeah they do exactly that they talk about kind of drugs <laughs> yeah, yeah addiction things like that oh all different kinds of drugs and like kind of specifically the way that drugs and the way that we interact with drugs and like the idea that drugs are not like good or bad innately they're just chemicals that exist and it's like our relationships with them can be either good or bad depending on how we use them 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I like that kind of concept a lot. Yeah, I like that too. I felt like it's true that oftentimes we do kind of put drugs in one or the other, but the reality is, is that, yeah, they each can't, like drugs can be used positively. It's, it's exactly as you, as they said, and as you said, like it's, it's how you deal with them and how you treat them. That's going to ultimately give either positive or negative effects. Right. Like he, he gives the example of like Valium is great for a colonoscopy, but it's terrible after you've had several drinks and you're about to drive, you know, like yeah. one, you're using it the way it's meant to be used or the way that it is beneficial to be used. And the other is like a really terrible decision. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I feel like, you know, as uh, having been on this podcast, we've talked about a lot of kind of different types of psychedelics and we talked about right. marijuana and things like that. So, you know, this, uh, I felt like we were kind of knowledgeable about this episode yeah. going in. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. We had some, you know, we had, it wasn't like we'd never thought about drugs before in our life or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't remember where I was going to go with that train of thought. Yeah. So this um, episode is, yeah. So the entire time, they are in this sort of zombie apocalypse, running away from the zombies. And the kind of twist on this is that the zombie bite ends up actually putting the people who are zombified in some sort of like zombie euphoria. Yeah. And so they're actually like essentially on like a, a trip that seems pretty positive for them at the time, despite right. eating each other and things. Right, but, because you don't, you don't really realize that. They don't show that until the very end of the episode. And, like, leading up to that, there's a lot of very graphic scenes of, like, zombies eating other people and, like, ripping out their intestines, all, like, paralleled with this deep, like, in-depth discussion about practicing, like, mindfulness meditation <laughs> and, like, discovering the roots of your emotions while you're, like, watching zombies murder people on the screen. But then, like, at the end, you see that everybody who is a zombie is kind of in, like, this euphoric, like, an almost drug-induced, mm-hmm. like, euphoric. Um, and they don't realize that like they've caused all this destruction <laughs> killing all these people because they're like just loving life yeah exactly <laughs> and then they are ultimately well cured despite the fact that i guess you know they're not handing the cure out fast enough so right yeah <laughs> it's like the president you know glasses man and um, clancy are cured but then are almost immediately munched on by other zombies right and, like, the way they're curing people is they've got some sort of injection and they're just, like, shooting needles <laughs> at, at all of the zombies who are immediately, like, just being bitten again by other zombies and turned back into zombies. So it doesn't really feel like a very effective cure. It does not. So I don't know if that's supposed to show that, like, the, like the danger of addiction, like, you may, you kind of have a secular thing about it. You may get cured but it's very easy to turn back to it. I don't know if that's kind of what they're getting at or if it's, I'm just reading too much into the zombie narrative. No. <laughs> See, I don't think that you, we can read too much into the animation. I think that everything about it was done deliberately. I don't know that I understand all yeah. of what they're trying to communicate, but like, I, I think that it's so intentionally bizarre. Like everything that's happening, it was like an intentional decision. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm sure it all kind of relates to the themes of each episode. And sometimes it's more obvious than others. Um, yeah. The zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like kind of representing addiction would be like a, a good guess there. Um, but then they talk a lot about like mindfulness meditation mm-hmm. and like the Buddhist ideas of like enlightenment, not being the destination of meditation, but rather like it's the practice along the way that is what is important and not like ultimately achieving anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have like, I'm trying to think of like what aspects of the animation would like play into that more. Maybe the zombies being euphoric. Hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, could be. But I mean, that's also like, um, not to jump on quotes, but at one point, Glasses Men says something about health is about accepting and perceiving and dealing with reality on reality's terms. And so that's kind of what they end up doing as they're turned to zombies, right? Like they have no choice really right. but to accept what's what's happening and and seeing that new perspective. And so I guess like, you know, that's kind of the same idea to mindfulness and, and meditation yeah. in a way. And yeah, this episode just kind of like touches on the tip of like mindfulness meditation. And there are a lot of uh, several other episodes like later on that go a lot more in depth on like mindfulness meditation and mindfulness practice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked that they also kind of talk about the idea of like everybody every every living thing like being a spiritual being and having like the experience of of that creature so like we are spiritual beings like having a human experience was a really interesting concept as well yeah all while like being paralleled by zombies yeah (laughs) murdering each other exactly Um, so it was like my very first note for this episode is what is happening like (laughs) It's just like jumps right into like probably one of the weirdest episodes. <laughs> my uh, my first note on this episode is why does the simulator look like a vagina he's crawling into? Oh, it looks like a butt to me, but yeah, <laughs> it's like this thing is that between these butt cheeks. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I think something that I'm sure is intentional too is that from this episode and from. All of the simulated worlds that he goes to, Clancy tries to collect specifically a pair of shoes. Yeah. Um, And so in this one, he gets like these giant glass slippers, which pop out and knock him out afterwards. Um, But uh, he also, I think in this episode, the dog wasn't with him originally, was it? I think this is where he gets the dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's my impression, too, is that the dog, Charlotte... (laughs) comes out in the first episode with a pair of shoes. Yeah. So like then we kind of are introduced to the idea that Clancy is able to bring objects out of simulated universes and into reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Charlotte's a bit of an odd dog because I, don't, I mean, it's essentially a black hole slash right. Mary Poppins bag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like Charlotte's with, with the people that are shooting the tranquil or the vaccine out of guns they're like pulling the guns out of the dog yes <laughs> it's, it's very confusing yes but um but yeah at the end um we also find out that clancy has one whole subscriber yeah which is very exciting and relatable <laughs> i think we have more than one there might even be as many as 10 it's true it's true and we love them all yes 
But yeah, that's that's episode one, I think. Unless we want to talk about quotes per episode, if we have any. Sure. I, I had the one that you said about about health there. Um, and then I have one other one said by the president at the beginning. He says, I would much rather see people on a lot of pot than any of the pills that they're taking now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just say um, one by Clancy. He said, um, let's encourage each other to get as close to the truth as we can. Oh, oh and also the president said at one point, oh my God, Amal. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I know they're becoming like very rare things nowadays. <laughs> they really are. It's so sad. It's exciting to see one. Oh my God, Amal. <laughs> but yeah. <clears throat> All right, so moving on to the next episode, we have, it's called Officers and Wolves, and again, I don't understand the title of this one, but... This one I'm less um, sure on. Yeah, I mean, even the first one, like, is pretty obscure, but, um... So he, Clancy visits what is called the Clown Planet, but there's not really a lot of clowns. It's more just a lot of ground up meat. <laughs> <laughs> True. That so, is still sentient and talking. And deer dogs. Yes. <laughs> but this is the episode in which we learn that um, Clancy has a sister, Sarah. Yes. Who, who he's not on speaking terms since he used her money to buy the simulator. <laughs> right. After she specifically told him that too. Yeah. Um, and we find out, I think, that like the clown, these clown babies things, which are kind of spiders in a way. I guess. Like <laughs> at first he's like, ooh, cute, because they had just like hatched from or eggs or something. And yeah, then they're immediately. <laughs> yeah. And then they're immediately eaten by these deer dogs, who then I think he assumes the dogs are bad, but. It turns out that one of them, Annie, ends up being our interviewee for yeah. <laughs> for this. <laughs> yes. And um, Annie is um, by, actually um, a woman called Anne Lamott, who um, writes and speaks about subjects that begin with capital letters, like alcoholism, motherhood, Jesus. Um, yes. But she... Um, she talks a lot in this episode and does annie does the dog but also Anne uh about um her father uh which is was the writer ken lamont when he was diagnosed with brain cancer okay so that kind of gets us into the discussion of cancers and death um in a way yes and he, like, when Clancy originally goes through the simulator into this world, I think he's kind of under the impression that's going to be a fun planet because it's called Clown Planet. But, like, he's immediately scooped up with a whole bunch of other animals into a very ominously labeled meat truck. <laughs> and then quickly kind of, like, processed to ground meat and then they spend most of the episode just kind of like floating through this tube all through the biggest meat factory in the world <laughs> and then they're still like having a conversation essentially as ground meat floating along through this <laughs> yeah and uh oh no you know this is the episode that he comes back with the giant shoes 
not episode one because he's the, he grabs them as he's running away as the giant meat dog the meat thing <laughs> okay so i think the dog is the only maybe the only thing they get from the first episode maybe that's right I mean, maybe like i didn't even realize he got the dog in the first episode yeah. i just thought it was there until it started doing weird things like <laughs> sucking objects into its stomach wormhole yeah. <laughs> and i was like well maybe it came out of the simulator <laughs> exactly but uh yeah so before they get into like a lot of i guess like as they sort of get into their discussions they they intersperse this episode with like a comedic scene where Clancy has to take a shit, <laughs> but he is uh, impaled through Annie's antlers. antlers. <laughs> yeah. So He's then, like, I'm autonomous with antlers. <laughs> so then she's trying to like <laughs> position herself so that he his shit will drop into the toilet. I guess. <laughs> he's like kind of attached to her head and she's like backing <laughs> herself up the wall and trying to get it so that yeah he can hit the toilet instead of her face and like ultimately they decide that it's not gonna work and i love that he, he kind of says like i'm just gonna hold it and she's like okay but that's not good for you like she's just kind of concerned more than anything can we talk about that scene though like when they cut back to them and you're not sure if he's gone yet or not and her brown nose right underneath yes. definitely makes it look like he had just like shit on her face yes i thought so too and then i was like oh i guess not <laughs> i guess that's just her nose but i feel like that was somehow intentional yeah i did like too that they just got off the meat truck to like <laughs> go take a shit and then on it afterwards yeah. no was going <laughs> i guess you know that's part of the surrender you know there's no point that's that's where it's going right that's true she talks a lot about the idea of you know accepting and surrendering to the idea of death and and the fact that it is just a natural part of life Mm-hmm. it's true and um a big part of this too is is grief essentially yes and and whether you know how you deal with that and you know they they spend some time talking about how in our culture we're kind of pushed with this idea that like eventually you'll get over grief right but that the reality is is that you kind of never do right it, it may diminish but it's still there you know right you just kind of like learn how to live with it better is kind of the way i've heard it described before mm -hmm. I'm fortunate enough in my life so far to not have known somebody I was incredibly close to who's passed away, um, only only extended, you know, distant family members. Um, not looking forward to that, but I feel like I've at least educated myself on the subject. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't and, really have a lot of notes for this. <laughs> yeah. Another part um, that we could talk about is... Um, you know, as, uh, so these little like bits of description that I'm reading about the people are from Duncan Trussell's website, but, um, it says that she mentions like alcoholism and they do spend a little time talking about this. Cause she, she mentions like, and this kind of ties onto the, the idea of like addiction and stuff in episode one, mm -hmm. she, you know, talks about how she was almost afraid to quit drinking because she wrote 
all of her, like all of her work up to that point, all of her creative endeavors had been done while addicted. And right. so there's that fear that you're not going to be able to, like, if you don't have like the sorrow and like the struggle of, of that addiction that you can't actually create. Right. Um, and I think that's an interesting thing. And I feel like it's pretty, it, it, it's, it's true that we're often talking, I feel like you often hear about like great literary people that like, you know, they, they were able to write as like in depth and as knowledgeable and as movingly, I guess, as they can, because they had all that pain and suffering. Right. But, you know, Annie kind of talks about the fact that like, that's kind of a big, like one of the biggest lies in the way of of that. It's like, you know, just because you're happy doesn't necessarily mean that it's over. Right. Yeah. I feel like I heard that a lot too from other artists, like the fear of quitting drinking or quitting, you know, heroin or whatever the drug is that they were using, that they were addicted to, that they, they felt it enabled them to make the level of art that they were making. And that if they stopped doing that, they would lose their ability to create. And like, I think that it's Clancy who's, he compares it to like, if, if there was a Satan, like the idea that this would be like the worst thing that somebody could convince you that you, you being healthy will be, you know, bad for the, will destroy the thing that's most important to you, you know, your ability to create art. Um, and that was just, that was an interesting like idea. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But, um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's kind of, what happens in this, in this episode I, I didn't have many notes for this one i didn't have any quotes wrote down for this one either yeah the, i had the least written down for <laughs> yeah i've referenced some of the ones that i did write but i'll i'll say those real quick so annie at one point says um all truth is a paradox and i hate that the culture tells you that you will get over it meaning grief mm. yeah. um the line about uh the disease so alcoholism she says um but that's one of the lies of the disease you know or of the ego that if you are well and if you're happy the jig's up and then there was also like a secondary podcast guest in this episode which was the male dog (laughs) and at one point he says uh love means how happy you can make another person and yeah. so there was like a brief touch on love as well in there. But yeah, and so this is the episode where Clancy gets the uh, green shoes from. And a little oh. clown thing, which he throws into the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I think when we realize too that the dog has a wormhole in its under, and it's like belly area and its stomach area. Yeah. It just rolls over and it's a giant wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that is uh, episode two. And at the start of episode three, which is called Hunters Without a Home, is when we first start to really see that Clancy is being very careless in his treatment and, like, upkeep of the simulator. Like, the simulator is starting to send him a lot of notifications. Like, there are different things you need to be doing, and he's just, like, completely ignoring it and not listening to anything that it says. And, like, tunnel vision on get me to an interesting universe kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Which is um, where he ultimately ends up is in a universe where he talks to somebody who 
explores the idea of meditation and magic sort of being one and the same thing. Yeah. And so this, um, this, I guess, interviewee who is um, a fish in a bowl on a head of a body. Um, <laughs> he is, uh, this is a guy called uh, Damien Eccles. And he is uh, actually part of what w- will become known eventually as the West Memphis Three. These were uh, a group of um, so Damien and two other um, young guys who, when they were teenagers, were accused and wrong, wrongfully convicted of murder. Okay. And so in the episode, he talks a lot about yeah prison and how he kind of came to his like magic and, and meditative awakening in prison. Um, right. And so, uh, yeah, he, he was in there until um, 2011. So he spent like, yeah, 20 years in, wow. in prison wrongfully. Right. But yeah, magic. Magic. Magic and meditation. And and he he plays the a character called Daryl in this episode and like he fully acknowledges like that the idea of like magical meditation is the entire center focus of his life that he spends hours every day doing this and there's not a lot a room left in his life for a lot of other like things and relationships that like this is such a, a huge primary focus for him um which is almost overwhelming to think about yeah and he he kind of we find out that while he was in prison he was kind of got into the um Rinzai Zen um Buddhist tradition which I didn't look up to know about, but I assume that's mostly the Eastern side of his ideas. Okay. Um, and um, so his, he talks a lot about the difference between like sort of Western magic and Eastern magic. And the fact that like the idea of meditation in the Eastern tradition, or I guess magic in the Eastern tradition is um, to set you up to enlightenment over several lifetimes so there's okay. not the idea that you need to in this lifetime achieve that state, but that it's a continuous work in progress. Whereas Western tradition, I guess, allows you to sort of expedite that process. Um, and so what he calls sort of like ceremonial magic, um, they, you know, because partly it comes with the iconography that we have seen, which I'm guessing is like, I mean, I don't know, pentagrams and like pentacles and like things right. like this. We're familiar with that notion and so it's easier for someone who grew up in the western hemisphere to relate to that and then quickly achieve some sort of you know enlightenment yeah that's it's interesting to think about you know and he kind of like he talks about that there's like this magic current that can be passed down from like generations generation and this isn't the only episode where they talk about like this current or this flow of energy or magic um so it it seems that like what he is describing is at least something that other people have felt in different ways um so that's you know interesting and he talks about how like there are two reasons like why somebody would do magic and one one is to manifest something um and then one is to take in energy essentially from the universe yeah. um, to like help you grow and change and realize things. And it's the second one that is more 
linked to like the meditation aspect of the magic he's describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting with like the current, the passing of the current, and he kind of said that that's kind of the um, the power of oral tradition in a way. So as you right. share that from master to student, you know, it's like it's only if you you may say the words, but if it's only if you have that energy and the ability to transmit it that it'll truly connect, I guess, and right. and pass on, which is an interesting sort of idea. Yeah. Um, this episode also talks about the same idea that enlightenment is not the finish line. And this mm-hmm. one, they go as far as to say that it's actually just the first step in like a process yeah. towards being completely in the present moment, um, which is interesting as well. Yeah. <laughs> like most people, you think like achieving enlightenment is the ultimate goal of meditation or any kind of spiritual practice, but like to have multiple different people saying, well, that's not really the end. It is it's the journey there. And once you're there, that's just like the first step. You know, it's, I don't, it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah. And this also touches in a way on sort of I guess like immortality in a way through enlightenment so he talks about yeah enlightenment like allows you to main to to reach solar consciousness so that you know as you die you maintain your consciousness in a way and then you can work on your solar body which is they describe kind of as the vehicle to allow your consciousness to not disintegrate to second death Right, and, and that's the way that you can kind of come back, I guess, as energy and help others along the path to like reaching that same sort of solar enlightenment in a way. Right. Yeah. And that idea is kind of mirrored with the last episode as yeah. well, um, where like the, the character in that one talks about the idea that when you die, your the love energy you're giving out doesn't go anywhere. It's still there. It's still around the people that you love, and it's, it's to help them and to guide them forward. Um, so, like an, an, another mirrored theme in this. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, all this time in the episode um, is you know, <laughs> like exchanging cats for different goods. Um, <laughs> Like, like, is he like a pirate? Some yeah. sort of mariner? <laughs> Some sort of mariner, for sure. Cats are worth a lot of money. <laughs> they're a high-valued currency. Yeah, they're they're collecting um, treasure, in a way. Like, yeah. the whole, the whole, like, episode just kind of ends and dissolves into this, like, really strange fight between two giants over what it, it seems to be an affair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um you know at the end uh clancy does end up getting access to ice cream which was his main goal of coming here so, like, tunnel vision take me to a planet with ice cream <laughs> and um he does manage also to get away with one shoe which he's upset yeah. about but yeah. and enough. and one of the unicorn like pegasus blob things that pukes ice cream or whatever yeah, each time he seems to be coming out of the simulator with like more and more things that, that have more and more odd powers. <laughs> yes, and that that flying creature just kind of like flies up, flies away. 
Having um, a unicorn that pukes ice cream wouldn't be a bad thing. True. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this ice cream he eventually sends to one of his listeners called Daniel Hoops, along with some merch. And then we end the episode by Daniel getting beat by his father, who does not want him watching Clancy. <laughs> no. <laughs> for, for some reason. Doesn't mm-hmm. seem Clancy's podcasts are all, or sorry, space casts are all that bad. Yeah. Although they, uh, yeah, they're kind of insane, but. Well, but... it seems like the whole universe is pretty insane. <laughs> True. So, I mean, just going by like the episode where he stays on his own planet and you see how other people on his own planet are. Yeah. Very true. Um, I only had one quote from this. Did you write any down? I have one as well. Okay. You read yours. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Most people spend their lives complaining about the things they don't like. So you're adding power to it. You're giving it chi. That was mine too. Oh no. No, that was good. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Um, But that's true. (laughs) It was. Yeah. I mean, it's very true. It's like, you know, that's kind of how I, I don't know, a lot of things about life. I'm like, well, you know, if you don't like it, like just, you know, you don't have to like it. You don't have to. You don't have to approve everything of everything that's happening. Like sometimes you just need to accept it as it is, and as as they say, not give it the power. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And and I feel like the internet gives people such a huge platform to complain about all the things that they don't like in their life. So like people are spending more and more and more time focusing on everything that they don't like and all of the negative things, and so they're giving that side of of their life more power than looking you know, towards how they could change it, how they could make things better. Exactly. (laughs) So that's episode three. Moving on to episode four, Blinded by My End. Again, I don't know (laughs) (laughs) what they're going for there. I do love that his simulator creates him an avatar that has about 10 or 15 dicks for this episode because (laughs) he intends to send him to a planet of like true paradise where everybody has achieved inner peace, but things go very wrong on the way there and he ends up in a very different world. Yeah, I like that the thing that throws him off as he's rocketing towards this Mercury Deville is um, he hits the shield of the cats who also escaped when Clancy was escaping the world previously right. that blew up. <laughs> so it's like, you know, his past coming to haunt him in a way. Right, yeah, knocks him off course and ends up in this very odd bar. Very yeah. like, it reminds me, reminded me of like the setting of where like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign would begin. <laughs> Like this weird, catchy bar. <laughs> Absolutely. With pirates and yeah. bounty hunters. Yeah. Yeah. And we... like, we're, we're playing D&D now. Okay. <laughs> Slash also reliving part of Nightmare Before Christmas. Because when the one guy gets his arm cut off, bugs come out. And he's like, my bugs. Yes, what I Oogie know. Boogie says. <laughs> yeah. That reminded me of that too. <laughs> But um, yeah, then we're introduced to uh, to Trudy, which is our our uh, bounty hunter who is carrying a rose in her mouth. Yes, and um, he is interviewee for this episode. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, this is uh, an interview with Trudy Goodman. So Trudy um, 
is uh, has a PhD and is also a Vipassana teacher um, of the Theravada lineage and the founding teacher of Insight LA. And she has trained in uh, two fields, meditation and psychotherapy. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Trudy, they end up going on a quest. They do. <laughs> end up going on a quest together. And she's she's a very interesting character. I like that um, she kind of just like carries him around most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> She or um, her what, like spectral drop, spectral um, horse, whatever its name was. Right, I don't remember what she called it, but like her mission seems to be like the whole time she's talking about like forgiveness mm-hmm. and and the, what forgiveness is and and why one would go about trying to have it, and at the same time, like she's just received news that the person she loves has been murdered, and she's going out we kind of assume at least um, to get like revenge, you know, that she is not forgiving this person that she is kind of going after them. Um, so you get this like parallel quest that kind of like parallels what she's saying about forgiveness. Yeah. And she's pretty ruthless on her way to this quest. Like, yes. <laughs> she murders a hag. She, <laughs> she um, doesn't seem to have any trouble killing people at all. No. Not at all. And then, like, the entire time, an important thing to note is that the rose is, like, absorbing blood and healing wounds. Yes, yeah. You know that. Yeah. Yes, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> but an important thing, in addition to, like, um, forgiveness that this episode talks about is um, the idea of, like, active listening, in a way. Yeah. And how it's very easy to, like, sort of get into that state of, like, you're trying to listen, you're going through the motion of listening, but, like, you're essentially, as they put it, like, in a fugue state, not really present, not really taking in the information that you, right. that, you that you're hearing. Right. And, and she, they kind of talk about, like, the idea that when you have a head full of your own emotions and your own thoughts... It can be it can be a challenge to be a good listener to be like in the present, focusing on what somebody is saying. Yeah. <clears throat> and. But yeah, and it, it kind of like tries to it, it rounds back to the idea of mindfulness and trying to to be present in that moment, despite all of those things that you have maybe going in your mind and and how difficult it may be to to just be there and be listening. Right. Um, but of course, you know, and, mind, mindfulness is a tricky thing to master. So. Yes. And like when she talks about the practice of like listening, she doesn't just mean listening to other people. She's mm-hmm. talking about listening to yourself, listening to your body, listening to the, the, the energy around you, you know, your intuition in a way, um, just kind of listening and observing everything that your body and, is experiencing, basically. And the more in that in that she talks about that linked, of course, with meditation, that meditating comes up as, as a consistent theme through a lot of these episodes and and how meditation is kind of a practice for for death and it's practicing for life and you're practicing listening um and that it can just be you know a hugely beneficial thing to our lives in general Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, in the end of this episode, there's a fight between uh, Trudy and um, Prince Jamroll, <laughs> who's the one who killed her lover. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I don't think forgiveness is actually totally given here. Yeah. Prince Jamroll's kind of cut in half by the end of it. Right. Although perhaps technically still alive in a way. Yeah. She definitely seems to be more of like seeking the vengeance than forgiving in this situation. But in D&D fashion, she did, you know, manage to get the potion, which allows her to bring back her her lover. Even Um, though she only has his head, which is impaled on a spike, she's able to use her rose to like regenerate his entire body and bring him back to life. So his... (laughs) body is she actually pulled out of prince jamroll that sort of like <laughs> goopy blob turns out was his body <laughs> so yeah she just kind of sticks the head on and it fuses back together luckily okay. uh, which i feel is very dnd like but that is... <laughs> um so she doesn't really forgive anyone though like they bring him back and just as like that happens, the Prince Jamrel's demon releases this thing, which is this poison, which essentially kills almost Clancy, but definitely right. the entire world. Right. Um, but Clancy does get out, and he brings two pairs of shoes with him this time: boots and like glass slippers or something. <laughs> something else fancy. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention about this episode was that at one point, I think it's Clancy who is talking about in, about it and he's comparing forgiveness to a pull-up bar mm-hmm. and the idea that like most people when they're presented with the idea of doing a chin-up, you know, pulling yourself up on a bar, they look at it and they think, well, that is impossible. And and it would be at that point, they, they would not have the upper body strength to actually do it. But if they practiced it for you know weeks or months they would eventually be able to pull themselves up on that bar and kind of talking about the idea that forgiveness is sort of the same way that you're not going to be able to just make the decision to forgive and have it be done immediately it's something you're going to have to think about and put a lot of effort and work into actually being able to achieve Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, yeah i have i have a couple of quotes from this episode okay go for it all right. One of mine is quite long. Okay. <laughs> I'll read that one first. It's the one all about forgiveness by Trudy. It says, think of forgiveness as freeing your own heart from these states of grudge and resentment and anger and ill will. And sometimes that's the best we can do. We're not going to love our enemy, but we don't have to be obsessed for a lifetime with the harm that was done to us. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Um, Trudy at one point also says... Uh, we have sonar for when people are deeply listening to us. Yes, and that's one of my quotes. <laughs> totally true, because yeah. how, how I've been into a lot of situations where, like, even if you're not talking about important things, like, you're just talking about a mundane thing, and you can tell that person is, like, gone. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, like, if somebody's not really listening to you, you're not going to be able to have a deep conversation with no. that person. You know, you have to be able to listen and and connect with them in that way. Absolutely. Um, I didn't have any other quotes. Oh, Um, (laughs) I have another one which kind of struck a chord. So she says at one point, um, 
if we really did understand that this body would be a corpse, if we really got that we would have fewer moments, people who are terminal realize how fleeting being alive is. And so there is this thing, and you know, she talks about people who are terminal, like you have to kind of face your mortality in a way. Right. And, um, and I feel like, you know, people in general who have sort of like diagnoses of cancer or like other life-threatening diagnoses kind of go through that. And I, I can connect yeah. to that on a personal level. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's true. You kind of realize how kind of important the, the mundane small things can be. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Helps you live a little better in the moment. Yes. I say as I sit on my couch doing absolutely nothing. But oh, you're making a podcast. What are you talking about? Well, today, yes. <laughs> Every other day. But um but yeah. <clears throat> so that is that. Um in the end he uh, Clancy also takes out takes the rose. Um yeah. which, which he then pukes on. <laughs> First, he takes it outside. He takes a rose that has no roots that should be put into a vase of water outside and sticks it in the ground to begin with. <laughs> and then he, like, immediately vomits multicolored puke all over it and passes out on the ground, presumably overnight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because unlike with the other avatars, he... the. the Simulator had made this one so that he would feel all of the effects, presumably because he was going to have an orgasms with the 10 dicks that were a part of this avatar <laughs> on this paradise planet. But because he got knocked off course, he's like incredibly like sick and hungover from the amount of alcohol he's consumed, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, that's great. He wakes up there. In the beginning of the next episode, he wakes up there on the ground, like next to his rose. That's covered in puke. Yeah, exactly. And the dog yeah. sucks it off. Yes. I thought he was going to suck the whole rose, but Me he too. puke off of it. <laughs> and the way the rose just sucks the blood off of things to heal the stuff. Exactly, yeah. But yeah so, so the next episode is called Annihilation of Joy, which maybe, <laughs> maybe I didn't see why it was this time but not really <laughs> Agreed. It, it takes place in a space prison or or an avatar prison i'm not really sure what this place is supposed to be some sort of prison yeah for sure but who and why these people are there i'm not really sure on but he, he ends up interviewing like i don't know a spirit animal that's a bird <laughs> yeah a soul bird a soul bird but like they're not all birds and the one next to it was a soul butterfly they all seem to have have had like little animals that were attached to them and they weren't all birds that's true there was like a butterfly and stuff like that yeah just that's like soul critters yeah i think i saw a centipede yes <laughs> but yeah so uh yeah so our our little bird is our interviewee jacob or jacob is that his name I think so. Yeah. Yes. Jason, Jason, Jason. Jason. And uh, that makes sense because the person who did the actual interview is Jason Louve, I would guess. L-O-U-V. And okay. um, he's a journalist. And so he has covered a lot of different topics um, like surveillance, international trade, the dark side of tech, um, a lot of different things. And um, he has worked on uh, things such as uh, Buzz Aldrin's inter international campaign to colonize Mars. Oh, 
and, okay. and um, artificial intelligence programs, etc. Um, and so in this, you know, we kind of go to the idea of, again, kind of accepting things as they are in a way, um, right. but also DMT. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very much that, yes. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of the episodes where I'm like, hmm, Dungeons and Dragons again, because there's one where he like falls into his own bag of holding. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. And we get to see like what that would be like. Yeah. <laughs> but um, trippy all around. It is, yeah. But uh, yeah, this is like this episode in particular. You see kind of like the progression of the animation because like yeah. at the beginning, the creature that the soul bird is attached to is this incredibly angry individual who just acts out violently um, against anything, killing you know kind of indiscriminately, and but each time ends up dying itself um and then when they're reborn they are able to like progress a little bit further through the storyline to kind of like show that they're learning each time um from from the death and the death itself gets like very trippy yeah. <laughs> like complex but like there are there seem to be gods that are like pulling out the negative aspects of of the individual and weighing it against a feather yeah. and then just Drawing the, I didn't understand all of what was happening, but absolutely, yeah. And so this, Maybe too. yeah, I mean that, yeah, that harkens back to like Egyptian gods, um, where like to get into the afterlife, you would need to, your heart would have to be um, as light as a feather, and yeah, so okay. yeah, and that is sort of like obviously not oh. weight, but sort of free of those sort of earthly things. Yes. Um, okay. That makes more sense because I did not understand why they were waiting <laughs> against a feather. <laughs> yeah. And so this is, um, yeah, they call it at one point, the this prison, an existential trap. And so the, the idea is that, yeah, you keep being reborn into the same situation until you can kind of either accept it or, you know, work through things to get yourself out. But working right. through things is more than just like solving a puzzle. It's kind of like, yeah, as as Bob or whoever does. Right. Um, you have to actually work through, you know, kind of accepting things, your own form of enlightenment in a way. Yeah, like this episode talks a lot about the idea that all the consciousnesses in the world mm -hmm. or even in the universe are connected in some way. And again, it goes as far as to say that everyone from, you know, is a complex being as a human all the way down to like a single celled organism has that spark of life that they refer to as a soul and that all of this life is connected. So we only have this illusion that we're separate from everything. Um, and they describe it as because like we exist like at a, at a point where energy converges. Mm. And I don't really know that I understand quite what that they mean by that, but they kind of describe it as like a net and that like our consciousness is our like the points where the lines intersect yeah. in the net or something like that. No, exactly. Yeah. The term, yeah, the term that they use is Indra's net. So I don't know if that's like um, a Hinduism thing. I'm not sure, but um, a buzzword to look up Indra, Indra's net. Yes. But yeah, that's an interesting idea. And like, of course, the time with DMT is that that can allow you to sort of like reach that point of sort of like linked consciousness in a way, feel part, feel that sort of 
connection to everything right um, in a way yes and and like relinquishing the idea that we are individual in some way and kind of accepting the idea that we are all just energy that is connected and and experiencing living a different life Mm -hmm. which is i guess where the energy converges yeah exactly i like and go ahead no, go ahead. I was, was going to go off on something else. <laughs> okay, yeah, me too. I was going to say I liked that they related our experience to some way to a, a game, a sort of video game that, like, we're doing all these things, as they say, to, like, add experience points, D&D, to add experience <laughs> points to a character that doesn't exist. And so it's kind right. of, like, to reach that point of, like, recognizing the reality, the true reality of things, we need to, like, take off those virtual reality reality goggles um, right and kind of confront that feeling that that truth that we are kind of in a you know we have just this illusion of being a separate entity right <clears throat> and i think that like the reason they use the prison kind of in this in this episode is like the metaphor because i think that the guy who's talking he believes or sees that like your life is kind of the prison before you can understand and accept this feeling of like a universal connection. And that like, once you are able to identify with that or experience that, then, then you have made it out of the prison kind of thing, the prison of life, if you will. Yeah. I don't know that I worded that correctly, but (laughs) yeah, I know. I think so. And um, yeah, eventually Bob sort of does come to that realization by the end of the episode. And we find out that Bob is some woman. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who who sings a very odd song about drinking the blood from a stump of a guard they killed. (laughs) Like just very like graphically singing like beautifully about (laughs) These like awful things that she had done before she escaped the prison of her mind, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that she was doing these things not only to the prison guards, but like also to herself in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we eventually have Jason, our bird, who becomes Clancy's new pair of shoes. Yes. Bird slippers. <laughs> bird slippers. <laughs> Um, at the end of the episode, I also like that we have this realization that the rose is now like, has a cult following of mice or rats. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) And like, he's just like annoyed by it. He's not fascinated (laughs) by the fact that like the mice in his neighborhood have created like a shrine around this rose and have come to it to have all of their wounds healed. He just like chases them off. Yeah. And then he says something like, cultists or something. And I was like... He's still like <laughs> oblivious to everything happening around him. He really is. Oh my god. We'll see that even more in the next episode. <laughs> oh yeah. But um did you have any quotes from this one? I did, yes. Okay. Um so they're all by Jason, the bird. Mm-hmm. The first one is relinquishing the the relinquishing of the idea that you have an individual self is the ultimate orgasm. It's the perception of emptiness and the fundamental clear light of existence. Mm, I like that. Um, he also said at one point, um, the fundamental reality of everything is change. 
Which I like. Oh. He says, so whatever this experience is, we think it's real and we think that we are somehow inherently real and it's a case of mistaken identity. Um, he says at one point too, we live in a, in a universe in which time exists and therefore everything will disintegrate and be gone. And the suffering of that is unbearable. I like that. He says so many good things. The he last does. one I the last one I wrote down by him was the moment you accept things as they are, you don't need to hope anymore because you realize that where you are is kind of okay. Yeah, that was my last one too. That was good. Oh, yeah. Great lines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. great quote. Yeah. That's episode five. A good a good and as you say, like clearer narrative in that one yes. with the animation. Yeah. The animation was equally as bizarre, but like the narrative of what was happening made more sense. Yeah. <laughs> and went along with what they were saying in, in a more coherent way. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so on to the next one called Vulture with Honor. And this one, he stays on his own planet because his simulator seems to be approaching a catastrophic meltdown. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think who was who was the guest star on this one. So this, Do they... yeah, we don't see the guest star until like the very end of the episode. It's the okay. sort of yogic teacher guy. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be the neighbor because he, after his simulator kind of seems to <laughs> not work anymore, he tries to consume a 3D printed pie, which. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it was edible. But so he decides to take it to like introduce himself to the neighbors um, who literally tell him exactly what he needs to do to fix his own simulator. But he gets so butthurt about the fact they don't want his disgusting pie that he doesn't even realize that they've told him exactly what he needs to know. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he eventually does start, you know, get the goop that he needs. To, the green oil. The green oil to rub on it. But at this point, the simulator is already popping out distorted creations. Um, it's smoking profusely. Yes. The it's... whole, like, inside of his house is covered in, like, blood and other sustenance. <laughs> Spider pies and stuff. Spit <laughs> out. And um, there's also, like, yeah, so we get an another character shows up, which called Bryce, who is some sort of, like, police officer slash not really he's like the maintenance guy i don't know <laughs> the simulator repair man who seems yeah. to be able to anticipate whenever he's going to be needed <laughs> yeah so um he tells that like when these machines start going crazy it, it releases this different colored goop in a way um and you need to like avoid it because some of it will stop you in time some will like right. melt you um, and and there's just, like this whole giant field of all this different colored dangerous ooze that <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't touch. But he ultimately, the Captain Bryce gets like trapped inside of some of it. He does. And he's like, yeah, it turns into a skeleton that's constantly on fire. Yes, but doesn't seem to be in pain and just kind of floats there talking still. Yep. <laughs> As you do. As one does. Um, but yeah, so he ultimately does, you know... Um, uh, managed to like get the goop he needs, the oil he needs to rub on it, and um, 
uh, immediately like dives into another simulation because the machine seems to have created one where he like because the machine kind of is sensing i think that clancy is getting super irritated so he's like you need to go and talk to this meditation master (laughs) yeah and so he goes to to speak to um i don't know if we get the name of him there but his oh david yeah which is the guy's name so he goes to speak with this sort of um uh, meditation master called uh, David and the interviewee uh, the actual guy is David Nickturn who um, is uh, the senior teacher in lineage lineage of Chagyam Trumpa Rinpoche um, and this is um, combines a contemporary secular approach to meditation with the ancient practices and philosophies of Tibetan Buddhism so okay. another yeah person who um, talks to us about meditation and yeah. kind of like in some ways subverts the traditional notion of what people think of when they hear meditation, which is like trying to find emptiness. Yes. Um, and he kind of says that that's not possible right. <laughs> or it is, but it's like difficult. <laughs> right. And and that it's not even the goal. Right. Like he kind of compares it like he's like your mind is not you know some bratty teenager that you need to shut up you know like that's the goal is not to make yourself stop thinking it's just to be with all of the thoughts that you have and to accept them all and reflect on them all kind of thing and like that achieving complete emptiness and complete you know stillness of your mind isn't really the goal it's an exercise you can do if you want to but like it's not the goal of meditation yeah, and I, I like that they, they use the term spaciousness to kind of describe what, I guess, David thinks of as part of the goal, which right. is like, you know, your mind is kind of like a crowded house. And so, like, it's full of shit. You can't really yeah. do anything about that. You can You're make like a hoarder. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can and you can make the house bigger, but the stuff will still be there. And right. so the goal is kind of like to make room in that space which will then allow for others to come in and for you to build sort of relationships, which again can help you be there in the present and be mindful. Right. Um, you know, to give, as they say at some point, like to give that, you know, to give a little space between you and your thoughts in a way. Right. Yeah. Kind of to understand that you and your thoughts are, are separate things, that you are not your thoughts. And to kind of allow there to be that space between you and them so that you can reflect on them in a better way. Yeah. And he tells us, so spaciousness is like one of three things that he says meditation is good for. Silence and stillness are the other two. He says that silence gives you room to listen and stillness gives you room to feel, whereas spaciousness just gives you room in general mm-hmm. kind of for, for everything else. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of like that. Um, I, I need to get back into meditating more than I have been recently. But there was a period where I was meditating like four or five times a week. And it does really kind of provide all of those things when you're able to to go into it. And I feel like a lot of what they've said throughout this entire series will definitely be stuff to reflect on the next time I meditate. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because I, I remember like, when I was really young, I, I would attempt to meditate, but it, I really th- felt like it was exactly that. It was like trying to empty yourself and be like right. completely free of thought. But I 
I feel like the big truth of it all is that like meditation is a moment where you actually sit down and you confront things that you try not to think about throughout your day. Right. And, right. and I think having that moment or moments, that time to do that is is really important to like feel relief in a way and, yeah. you know, ex- accept that things are as they are. And like, you know, you just have to deal with that in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that like, oh shit, I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's okay. I'll fill the gap by saying that um, at the end of the episode, Clancy does get his shoes, of course, um, which are placed on him by tiny tweezers tiny yes. little shoes that he kind of just sticks onto his toe yeah which is very odd <laughs> and decorations if you will yeah and um i really liked there's a moment too where um uh david calls clancy duncan which is the person's actual name and he corrects him to be like eh, clancy um and so <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's a hint that you know duncan is the person here and of course we're gonna the last episode deals heavily with um, not even accidentally calling him Duncan. Right. Yeah. At, at first I was like confused. I was like, Duncan, who's yeah. that? Yeah. But yeah, no, then I realized, okay, that's just Clancy is not the actual podcaster's name. He's just using that in the series must be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't think I have anything else from that episode, but did you think of your thought? I I didn't, but one other thing about this episode that I found to be rather odd was that there was a lot of references to butt plugs, both in the dialogue and in the animation. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of butt plugs happening in this episode. Yeah. At one time, there was like a giant fly with a butt plug as he was trying to meditate. Yeah. And then like when it pulled out, it was just like this giant, I don't know intestinal track <laughs> or, or elephant trunk i'm not sure like comes out of the flies <laughs> yeah I, I, we don't question that <laughs> but um but yeah there, the, we don't get a whole lot of like insightful thought into this one because he doesn't actually meet up with the the meditation master until the episode is more like more than half over even yeah um but what what he does say is definitely interesting and um definitely something i'll be thinking about the next time i am meditating (laughs) definitely i i like i mean and i've heard it before like the idea that you're not supposed to try and shut everything out while you're meditating but like the the metaphor that he used of like your your mind is not you know a bratty teenager that you're trying to make shut up you know you're you're trying to learn how to listen to it not make it shut up um yeah like (laughs) yeah i like that too I just need to make time in my life to do it more regularly. Last year, I was pretty good with it, but this year I've gotten more lazy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Which is, like, not really even fair because meditation is so easy. You literally just have to sit there. <laughs> true. Very true. And I think that it's... Um, this. I think this is what I was going to say earlier, yeah. was that... And we see this theme throughout that the idea that practicing meditation is much more important than achieving anything because it's that practice that taking 20 or 30 or 60 minutes every day or multiple times a week to just sit with yourself and to say this time is is just for you to you know think about your life and 
you don't have to necessarily achieve enlightenment or anything with that. It's just the idea that you're putting yourself first, you know, for that period of time every day. That is what ultimately makes the difference with meditation. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. That's good. A good <laughs> thought. I'm glad it came back to you. Yes. And very at the very last minute, you know. <laughs> Before we move on to episode seven, Turtles of the Eclipse. <laughs> Another. <laughs> it just reminds me of John Green's book, Turtles All the Way Down. Yeah. Yeah. Which at least that title is explained at some point in the book, whereas this one is not so much explained. <laughs> But no. um, Clancy does seem to be calmer in this episode. Like, I suppose, I guess we're supposed to think that that little bit with the meditation master in the previous episode helped him to achieve enlightenment or something. That's what he thinks. But that's, yeah. that quickly falls out, you know. He realizes yeah. he has not. But, but this is the episode where he falls into his own bag of holding, so. Yeah. So he goes to first to some sort of empty, essentially a giant um, ping pong ball planet. Yes, just like boring, calm. He's like looking for Zen, you know, no color. His avatar is all white. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, he falls into his bag of holding. Yeah. Uh, and he meets Death. And he does. Death is the first. This I actually recognized her voice immediately because I've I follow her on YouTube um, and I've seen a lot of her stuff. But okay. this is by um, someone called Caitlin Doty. And okay. she is a mortician, an activist, and uh, a funeral industry rabble rouser. So okay. she is kind of someone who has spawned a sort of death positive movement, um, trying to okay. get people to feel differently about about death. But yeah, her YouTube channel talks about different cases, different sort of things going on in the funeral industry, stuff like that. Very interesting. And that makes sense because she definitely talks a lot about death and she does very much seem to be like, not that she wants people to die, but like she's not at all intimidated or afraid of the idea of death. And mm -hmm. she kind of encourages the idea that during times of death, the best thing you can do is just be as 100% present in that moment as possible. Let yourself feel everything that's coming up, you know, experience touching, you know, the dead body and all of these things, all of the the steps of it, which I think a lot of people kind of tend to recoil from in oh, yeah. especially society, like the idea of touching. And and I'm among those people. I, I'm not exempt from that. Um, but she, she kind of talks about why in this episode. And that was really interesting. Yeah, I think, I think I can appreciate definitely the idea of like, being with a body and staying with it for like a time after that person has passed. I could eat, but I do think that like, it must be jarring if you're like at the wake and you go to reach out and touch this person who's, you know, been embalmed probably and is now right. stone cold. Like that, yeah. that I think would be very jarring. But like, if you're holding the hand of, of a loved one and like they pass, like, right. I can see the benefit of, of really sitting there, taking in, accepting those last moments saying your your physical goodbyes right um even though part of me also is like very much of the mindset that like once that person is gone their 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 sense of being their self is no longer present so like i don't right. i don't know for me that that would be a critical thing that i would need to do but i guess right. i'd be open to sitting there and right. you know accepting that in a way 
if you, you know, subscribe to the idea at all that like the idea, the, the energy, the love energy that they would have been emitting towards you doesn't leave, you know, that it stays in the room around you, then even after they have died, it would still be there, yeah. which they talk about more in the next, the, <clears throat> the next episode. But um, she talks, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So say she talks a lot in this episode about like, how the practice of embalming and preserving bodies actually started, which I did not know. So it was interesting to learn that it was actually something that started during the Civil War because people wanted to be able to bury their sons. And it was an important part of like the Christian Protestant practice to be able to see and touch the dead body like during the funeral service. And you don't want the body to be like rotting while you're doing that. And when it's having to be shipped hundreds you know, of miles across the country due to a war, they had to come up with ways of preserving the bodies so they still looked somewhat presentable at the time of the funeral. Um, but then when the war ended, they had all these like morticianers and embalmers that still needed jobs. So they kind of just convinced people that preserving and embalming the bodies was a way of like cleaning them and making them so that they were no longer dangerous to be around and instilling that kind of mindset into us which is still something that is very prevalent in our society today. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, um, it's interesting to, yeah, to see how much it has changed and how much we're like very like appalled almost by the concept of doing that now. Um, But it's true that like, um, I can't remember if it was in this episode or if like something else I heard at one point, but like houses in general, like living rooms, used to be called parlors right and so that's where you would set up the dead and they would actually be you know after a a loved one died you would have them for like a week sitting in there um so that people could come and as you say like touch it you know like kind of commune in a way with that body um and that's why we still call them funeral parlors because they just took it out of the house (laughs) into the special place And it only happens for usually one day or sometimes two days there's a viewing. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they talk also a lot about how everyone should really come up with a death plan. Talk about it with your loved ones. Um, At one point, Clancy talks about how he had learned the importance of being straightforward with his with people about whether where they are in the path of dying so like he talked about his dad who had come to um, in a moment of sort of clarity and was like, what's going on? And he just told him like, well, you're dying, you know? Yeah. Um, and so. That- and that was like actually a really good thing in that situation because like once his dad realized like, oh, okay, I'm dying. He started telling him like all this stuff that like you, you would normally wait until you're dying to tell someone kind of thing. Yeah. And even the fact that the dad, you know, he said that his dad was like, you know, send this thank you card to the hospice nurse and like do all this stuff, which is true. I feel like, you know, people, it's something that you don't really think about because as you're in the process of grief, like the last thing you're thinking about is sending a fruit basket to someone. Right. (laughs) But you know, it's true that like, especially in those cases where you may have like a a live-in hospice nurse or someone who's there regularly, like they spend a lot of time with your loved one in their final days, got to know them played a you know pretty critical role in their right. exit from the world um so why not you know thank them for that when you get around yeah. to it yeah i agree hopefully clancy actually got around to it 
yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, now he's like sucked into a void, so TBD. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, like the, the only thing um, else that I had written down for this episode was going back to the idea of embalming. And at one point, Death kind of describes that. She's like, they, they take the body, they drain it of all the blood, they pump it full of all these chemicals, then they put clothes and makeup on it, and then they sell your own dad back to you. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like what the process of embalming kind of is. And it's like, yeah, that's sort of true, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, so Caitlin has definitely advocated like other types of, of burials, um, viewings that don't involve like embalming and stuff like that mm-hmm. just to kind of get away from that sort of industrialized yeah. scam in a way <laughs> yeah no, i don't like the idea of being embalmed i'd much rather be cremated yeah totally even if it is 750 dollars yeah <laughs> as, as we learned in the next episode <laughs> very true um, um but yeah so that I... I didn't have any oh. quotes did you I did not know. Yeah, as I as I said pre um, pre recording, there was something about mirrors and like reflecting parts of yourself that you're afraid of, and you kind of need to forgive them. But I don't have the full quote, so no. But like Clancy was standing in like a long room where it was just mirrors lining the wall, and every mirror had like a negative representation of himself, like something that that he had done or had thought or something was represented as like kind of a demon Clancy and that he needed to like essentially forgive all of the parts of himself of himself that he hated or or was ashamed of. Yeah, and he does that very very quickly. And easily. Yeah, so like, okay. <laughs> Good for Fun. Him. It's all that it's all that enlightenment he had at the moment. Just, just snap to it immediate enlightenment. Um but yeah, so that is uh the end i don't know if he got um does he get shoes i didn't write anything down for this one what he took out probably i mean maybe i don't remember i don't think he did pretty bad shape yeah his new horn is like the the broken devil's horn i think that he uses to like summon himself back to the real world but like the devil's yeah antler horn yeah but I do know that, like, in the start of the next episode, I don't know how this or why this happened, but it appears that Clancy's house has been fixed up Cinderella fashion by, like, a whole <laughs> bunch of small animals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that connection came in, but it is called Mouse of Silver, and there were mice That's helping to clean, and there was also, you know, an older woman, so Silver. <laughs> That's true. And that's that's the episode title that makes the most sense out of all eight of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so his um, the interviewee here is uh, his mom, and by his, it's uh, not Clancy's, but it's Duncan. Right. Duncan's mom. Yeah. And so Duncan's mom um, was called Denine Fendig, and um, she. Um, you know, she obviously is um, the mother of Jeff and Duncan, um, and she uh, did postgraduate work in psychology. She worked as a clinical therapist, um, and she her approach to therapy drew from many sources, and her primary goal in life was to help those in need. And so she yeah. did pass away um, in 2013. Um, 
from her cancer. That makes sense. Yeah. They talk a lot. They kind of talk about that at the end that she was been fighting stage four cancer for like four years and how many times she'd been given, you know, six months to live or six weeks to live kind of thing. And she was still alive at that point. But I don't know how long before that point, you know, how long did she live after the podcast episode? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But, um, yeah, she talks a lot about the idea of our formative years, which she considers to be like the first five years of your life setting patterns that will kind of form and shape the rest of your life. And we don't have to subscribe to these forever, but we we will unless we kind of take the time to analyze them. And, and that would be kind of through meditation is the way she would recommend doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting thing. She spoke specifically about like almost the negative impact that suddenly being like, the older sibling right can have on you because you know you're automatically considered the big brother or the big sister right when you're you know not someone who's big at all and so you have to take on responsibilities that like no child is ready to do and um that really made me think to like i mean you know who knows if i'll have children but it's something to really think about to be like you know you still have to remember that even though there's a new presence in the house like that your, you know, your first child is still very much a baby. Right. You know? Yeah. At least the vast majority of the time. Just, right. <laughs> if they're already are. like six, it doesn't Eight matter five. as much. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah the, the idea of like you going to being called, you know, big or, you know, the older sibling, you know, when the second one comes along and that kind of changing the the firstborn child's whole perspective on the world, because up until that point, they had been an only child, you know, they were mom and dad's, you know, only responsibility. And now suddenly they have to split that, you know, 50-50 with somebody else and maybe even more like 40-60 because newborns tend to need a little bit more attention than toddler age kids do. Yeah, I mean, maybe at least like in the middle of the night, I don't have kids, so I'm not really sure on that but <laughs> right we'll have to get your cousin on the podcast to let us know yeah yeah my cousin just is in the process of experiencing this it has a a second newborn child um so her her first child is getting to go through this process yeah <laughs> hopefully it doesn't scar him for life you know i i went through the process i became a big sister when i was two years old and i think i you know survived just fine yeah definitely <laughs> I was the younger one, so I don't. I I actually don't think my brother survived that well. But yeah, that, that was the beginning of the end for him. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll talk about that never. So um, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, this, they also talk about in this episode um, the idea that we can perceive ourselves from the inside. And she talks for like quite a long period of time about a meditation practice of trying to like feel the palm of your hand and to see like if you can feel a sensation in like a palm, the palm of your hand when it's just resting kind of on your leg, when it's not in pain, when there's no pressure against it, can you, can you still feel it? 
And once you can, can you, you know, extend that feeling outwards through your hands and then up through your arms and kind of ultimately through your whole body to like become aware of the way your body feels when it's at rest. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've done myself in meditation. I didn't realize it was a practice, but like that is something that I've tried to like become very conscious of is like how, how does my body feel when I'm meditating, but also like, especially when I'm doing yoga. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. Yeah, to go like bit by bit and and slowly, I guess, let it go. Right. To kind of like become aware of your energy state inside of like a organic being. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and then she kind of asks the question like does this experience like count as a different dimension of consciousness you know would this be like what we would consider to be a different dimension and kind of explores that idea a little bit yeah um she also mentions um that some people who spend so much time being frustrated that they that they can't figure things out and that things are not going their way that when the thing they're wanting actually arrives they don't either don't recognize it or they use it to like attack or hurt other people then because they they're just consumed by like that frustration yeah and that kind of goes back to the the fishbowl head episode of like yeah. you know being able to um not give those negative things i forgot briefly to not give those negative things the energy so it's right. like you know you just have to things aren't going your way you know confront that accept it move Let on it yeah. yeah and like that the same this theme was echoed in, in another episode as well but like the idea that we will suffer more if we resist the flow of energy around us you know if we try to go against the direction that that we're being guided, if you, if you will, um, we will ultimately suffer more than if we just go with the flow. Yeah. And I, I really liked the, yeah, this, the entire time where they talk about the flow, the flow of a river. Um, Duncan at one point talks about, or Duncan Clancy talks about getting um, kind of like feeling stuck on the side of the river. Right. Um, and how, yeah, exactly. Like resisting that flow can only lead to sort of more heartache and more suffering. Right. Um, right. Not that it's easy to go with the flow, but like right. something we should actively be be conscious of, you know? Right. And I think Clancy is the one he asks the question, um, like, what if you're not only stuck, you know, in the bramble on the side of the river in your canoe, but like you don't even realize that there's a river out there. You don't realize like that you're stuck even, you know, like where can you begin to try and like fix that problem? And like, she just, you know, she basically says meditation, you know, like just sit then with yourself kind of thing. And she's, you know, got some more elegant way of putting it, but basically it all comes back to like meditation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like meditation preparing us for both life and death Mm -hmm. yeah and then you know we kind of move on to the the sort of confrontation of of her situation and yeah you know going back to the discussion of sort of death and grief um and the reason of that yeah yeah and you know i like that um you know similar to to how i felt and how people would ask me like, oh, you know, how are you dealing with 
this diagnosis and like you know is it you know people would kind of people people often approach people who have sort of terminal or like serious diagnoses with um i guess like an upfront sadness or um treat it as if you're going to feel like down and negative about everything but um Deneen in this has like a really good moment where she just kind of says um, that, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So the only real way forward is to make peace. Um, And, you know, that's when she talks about, you know, calling and seeing how much it was to, to um, cremate uh, herself. Yeah. To be cremated. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of doing those sort of necessary as, as death had put it necessary end of life sort of preparations. Right which um, a lot of us don't want to think about or have to confront for ourselves or for our loved ones. Yeah. And then, you know, with this discussion of death, like, again, we open the conversation to grief and heartache and they have a lot of, she has a lot of great things to say about, about that yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, like, especially like when, when you can clearly tell that they're talking about like when she dies, like how am I Clancy slash Duncan going to deal with that? And she says, you'll cry, you know, just, just cry and, and let those emotions out. Yeah. Which was, you know, powerful and true. I'm sure. Yeah. And I am going to jump ahead and give a quote here, uh, which she probably wrote down to. Um, but he kind of says, yeah, like, how do you deal with that, that heartache? And she says, um, if you inquire into the hurt, you know, what you're experiencing is love, the real deal. And so it's like, you can't reach that level of, of sorrow and and pain if if the basis isn't love. Right. Exactly. That's, I didn't write down that quote, but I did write down that idea. And then I wrote down a quote from next to normal. (laughs) Which, which kind of reflects yeah. the same sentiment. Um, give me pain if that's what's real. It's the price we pay to feel. The price of love is lost. The it's oh, I'm sorry. The price of love is lost, but still we pay. We love anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wrote down a quote from you know something else. <laughs> a quote that I appreciate. You know. Yeah, I knew I knew you would. <laughs> Even if no one else got it. <laughs> But yeah, so ultimately, yeah, I, I, go ahead. As I, said, I do like that idea, like the idea that opening your heart, like really opening it up does hurt. But like the fact that like ultimately, because ultimately everybody dies, but like that hurt is a reflection of something amazing, you know, that it's a reflection of the love you felt for that person exactly. is a good way of looking at it. Yeah. And, you know, this kind of goes back to the conversation of like, being able to make space for others and the the hesitation we have with doing that is is that sort of pain and the potential heartbreak and feeling let down whatever level it may be of disappointment or sadness but in the end of the day like those are human feelings and those are things we need to feel in order to appreciate and experience like the brighter things right yeah but the um, the visuals up in this episode with his mom are are very very interesting. Um, yeah, and well, pertinent to the actual discussion, which is good. <laughs> they're definitely like the most normal looking, and it's kind of this cycle of like him being a baby with you know him with her as the mom, and then 
cycling through that with her as, you know, the old lady and him helping her and then ultimately him getting pregnant and giving re- rebirthing her and raising her as a child. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's still weird, but less weird than the other episodes. Yeah. And then eventually we see them turn into planets um, that get sucked into this flow. and Into the flow of the energy. And then at the very end, both Clancy and Charlotte get eaten by the simulator. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) There is no season two, so that's just how it ends. That's how it ends, yeah. So people are after Clancy um because he's using an illegal simulator um and he doesn't have to face it because he just gets sucked in just leaves in the in the simulator exactly (laughs) and he gets on a bus with all of the people that he's interviewed and some spoon shoes yes (laughs) (laughs) did you uh have any other quotes from this episode um I, his mom at one point said, um, a teacher needs to be devoted to the truth, which I thought was nice. Um, His mom also says that people really try to avoid the conversation that they're going to die at, or sorry, people really try to avoid the consideration that they're going to die and the people they love are going to die. Mm -hmm. I put, um, opening your heart sucks. (laughs) (laughs) um the only other quote i had from this episode was just a funny one it says so this is the process of an american baby an american baby gets blasted out of the pussy space sprays piss all over the doctor's face and then gets the tip of his penis cut off no wonder we're all nuts (laughs) right and that's like him describing his own birth (laughs) yeah and i did like that the mother um uh, denine several times talks about how like she wished she hadn't done the circumcision bit she was like right She's like, like I that. would not do that to another child. Right. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. the last quote that I have, and I can't remember who said it, but it's at the end of the episode. Um, someone says, you know, just be here now. Yeah. And that's kind of a good summary of the, the idea of mindfulness and accepting things right. as they are. Kind of the summary of all the things. Of, of the whole, the whole series. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sums everything up. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean... That's that's pretty much uh, episode eight, and that's pretty much the entire season of the Midnight Midnight Gospel. It definitely is. This this podcast episode has gone longer than our average ones do, but it had quite a lot to talk about, and I definitely recommend everybody checking it out. Um, it's definitely interesting to watch and listen to. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you if you've made it through the end of this podcast episode. Um, it is, yeah, very, it's almost an hour, 40 minutes. So it's... This might be our longest podcast episode to date. So I... thanks for listening all the way to the end, if you're still with us. Definitely. <laughs> Um, I would suggest, um, I haven't listened to any of the actual full-length podcast episodes that Duncan has done, unless these actually are full-length ones that right. they just interspersed more, you know, voice acting in. Right. Um, but I'm very curious, and I would recommend to everyone maybe to go check out um, Duncan Trussell's uh, actual full podcast episodes. If you search Duncan Trussell and The Midnight Gospel, um you can uh, find the a little summary, which is where I got the episode or the summary, the little snippets of information about each of the people he interviewed um, in there with more detail. And if you right. click on them, you can actually see um, all of the podcast episodes that 
they were in. So some of these people are recurring guests. Yeah, that's um, cool. And listen to it. So I'm very curious myself to listen back and and maybe I'll download some episodes for my upcoming trip to yeah. to get into it a little more because they seem like very pertinent things that we discuss pretty regularly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if his whole podcast episodes are are worth the listen. Yeah. But yeah, so um, thanks everyone. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you thought about the Midnight Gospel over on Twitter at NNO Podcast. Or you can send us an email to navigatingnetflixoriginals at gmail.com. And thanks for listening all the way to the end of this very long episode. Yeah. And, um, you know, as always, feel free to send us any recommendations you may have um we haven't gotten a recommendation in two years i think but yeah we were very happy when we originally got them so uh if i forget who it was but and i apologize but if you're still listening send us some more recommendations well we might do them and uh and yeah so thanks everyone and uh until next time bye, bye.